This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Well, thanks for tuning in. I'm in Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm going to read the first couple of verses here. So this is Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. The writer says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So the writer begins chapter 6 with this admonition of pressing on. Go on to maturity, he says in verse 1, or completeness in Christ. There's a difference between growing old and growing up. People get older, they age, and they take on more responsibility, and they pay their own bills, and they might get married and even have kids. And this is sometimes thought of as growing up. But the fact is, is that folks can do those things and a lot of other things without ever actually maturing or growing up. There's a difference between accumulating years and accumulating maturity. Maturity, or rather the lack of it, is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to fixate, the Hebrews to fixate on. He's putting this issue before them. If we go back to chapter 5, midway through towards uh, around verse 12, he has this uh, rebuke. He says, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So what we just read in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 is the natural exhortation um, that follows this this rebuke, that these brethren uh, apparently had allowed something to get in the way, and they had become undisciplined students, and they were slack in their hearing of the word, as we just read in verse 11. Uh, excuse me, verse 12. In verse 11 it says, Concerning him we have much to say. In him is Jesus Christ. Concerning Jesus we have much to say. But it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. And so for whatever reason they were um, giving into undiscipline, um, slackness, laziness, and it had left them spiritually weak and vulnerable and immature to the point that the Holy Spirit says what he says in verse 12. You need to be retaught. You need to have someone teach you again the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've regressed to a point where you have need of spiritual milk and not spiritual solid food. Now, imagine yourself being on the receiving end of of that. And maybe as you, you considered and we move forward in this lesson from the Word of God today, you might find yourself in that that situation where these words ring loud in your ears because you know you've also been making excuses. You have become undisciplined as well. You have grown spiritually lazy, and thus you have become weak and vulnerable. And you know the excuse maker part. Of, you know, part of me wants to say, "Well, is any Christian really as mature as they could be?" And, you know, in defense. But, uh, of course not. The answer to that question is always, of course not. No one is ever what they should be. But that's the wrong question, I think. The question that the Hebrew writer wants us to answer is, am I even trying? Am I even trying to press on to maturity? These brethren were not, notice this is what they ought to be, due to their lack of effort. Yes, in a very real sense, none of us is what we ought to be. Yet, 
Uh, but are we giving the Lord our best effort? And that's the question we have to answer. Or have I grown lazy and undisciplined? The Hebrews evidently were not giving their best effort at this point, and thus they had need again to learn the elementary principles. Their lack of spiritual growth reflected it was was proof of their undisciplined uh, spiritual laziness. And so the writer goes on further. He's explaining the reason for the regression of verse 13. He says, Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. So now he's getting more specific. They're, so they he calls them out on their inability to graduate to this solid spiritual food. He's got more to say about Jesus um, as high priest, but it's become hard to say, hard to understand, not because... You know, the, the the ideas themselves were difficult to understand, but because the Hebrews were so weak, they were unaccustomed, as, already, as New American Standard uh, says, they were unaccustomed to the word of righteousness. And that's a reference to the word of God, uh, which is useful for training in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And no, they didn't have leather-bound New Testaments and Bibles like we do today, but they had... Uh, people within the church, teachers, evangelists, prophets, that the Holy Spirit empowered to deliver the Word of God to them, as we see in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, and Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Uh, the writer makes reference to those individuals, specifically elders. But the, the message that they were hearing was of no value to them because, as we saw in chapter 4, in that that illustration of the of ancient Israel, the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So the, the Hebrew writer, is, he's been working his way to this point. He's saying, just like those ancient Israelites who came short of the grace of God, you Hebrew Christians, you're now proving to be disobedient to the word because of your lack of, which is evident in your lack of discernment. Verse 14, your, your inability to partake of more solid food and your readiness to take of solid food. Um, they just uh, were not willing to hear. They'd grown dull of hearing. And that was an awful reflection of their faith and the direction that they were headed in. So they were in, they were in grave spiritual danger here. And we're going to see that as as we move forward and read some more passages in chapter 6 here shortly. And it's a, it's a warning to us, ultimately, um, to keep pressing on to maturity. So that's why there's this exhortation here beginning in, in verse 1, uh, that there's no time to waste their regression is a very real threat and the life of a Christian is to be a continual pressing to maturity, a continual straining forward to what is ahead, right? That's, isn't, that's what Paul describes, how he describes the Christian's life in excuse me, Philippians 3, 13 and 14, where to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And the Hebrew writer says in verse 3, this is what we're going to do if God permits. And so he's he is reminding us not so subtly of the grace of God and how each new day is what God permits. It's it's not a guarantee, but he's permitting, he's providing this opportunity, more opportunities to try and be a better servant for he's for us to be better servants, to grow as we redeem the time, as we make ourselves useful to him. As we study and draw closer to Him through His Word, and we we strive to be more like His Son. Now, look at what the consequence, what the the end game is that the Hebrew writer has in mind here. If we 
fail in this regard. So just look in verses 4 and 6 of Hebrews chapter 6 now. He says, For in the case of those who have once been enlightened, and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they have fallen away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Now, why does the Holy Spirit go straight to this conclusion when He's indicted the Hebrews for things like their dullness of hearing, their lack of maturity, their unfamiliarity with the Word of God, the Word of righteousness? Why does He go right, just straight to the gut punch point? Well, it's because... Ultimately, that's where such things lead. When we lead undisciplined spiritual lives, when we're not in the Word of God daily, and when we're not prayerful, and we don't have a desire to be more mature, to be more complete in Christ, there's only one direction we can go. And so the Hebrew writer is saying, don't make, don't make any mistakes. Don't treat your lack of discipline lightly. Don't treat your unfaithfulness lightly. We readily and easily give ourselves passes, I think, when we forsake to uh, assemble with our brethren and worship God with them and feed on the Word, and we neglect daily Bible reading. But God sees the truth, and He's warning us here not to deceive ourselves. Don't make light. Uh, don't, Don't wink at your minimal efforts to serve. Because this... This is the way to destruction. You know, you can't you can't succeed with just thinking in terms of, okay, what do I just need to do to get by? What do I have to do? Do I have to do this? Do I have to to do that? No, the the heart that's truly been given to Christ says, when when do I get to do these things? How can I do these things better and where are there more opportunities? Without that desire, the way to apostasy is is before us. The lazy person is a brother to him who destroys, Solomon said in Proverbs 18. So we, you know, we can easily wish and rationalize and compare saying, well, at least, you know, I'm not as bad as old so-and-so or, you know, I'm not a lying, thieving murderer. But what God is telling us here is that you don't have to be those things to be lost forever. In fact, you can think little of missing services you can think little of spiritual disciplines and being dull of hearing, but Scripture is reminding us that these are really indications of a larger problem, a heart problem, just as it was with the Hebrews. And if it's not resolved, verses 4 through 6 of Hebrews 6 are going to be true for us. And so we don't want to go there. We don't want that to be our end. And now a lot of people can, I think even in the religious world, are going to disagree with that last point. But let's just listen to what the Hebrew, let's look at the words that the writer is using in the context. First of all, who's he speaking to? He's not, he's speaking to those who are once enlightened. He says, taste of the good word of God, partakers of the Holy Spirit. So are these people unbelievers? Of course not. There's no other passage in Scripture which describes unbelievers, non-Christians, in the way that the Hebrew writer is describing these people here. It's clear that he's speaking to brethren, as he calls them, Hebrews 3.12, in the sense of not just Jewish brethren, but in the sense of fellow believers, of those who know Jesus Christ and have come to put their faith in him. And he's warning fellow Christians that a child of God can sin so as to be eternally lost. 
and he is in agreement with every other New Testament writer. James 5, 19 and 20, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, let me say that again, My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So contrary to popular belief, those who have once committed their lives to Christ can turn back, to use James's words, can stray from the truth, can be, yes, enlightened and taste the good word of God, but also crucify the Son of God anew to themselves and go down the road of apostasy. So those who have obeyed the gospel and, and have been understood the grace of God and been moved by it in his love and again enlightened by his word, they can fall away from the faith so as to be eternally lost. And the good, again, the Hebrew writer is, is warning that consequence here, that God's grace is conditional, and if you wish to receive it and remain in it, then you must allow God's grace to transform your life. And a transformed life does not look like one who is dull of hearing, who is unfamiliar with the word of righteousness, who is, un, who, who is undiscerning, verse 14 of chapter 5, who can't partake of solid food. Listen to Paul in Titus 2, 11 through 13. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And notice, it teaches us. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, which is the appearing and glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if we're still having trouble at this point, I'm just going to throw out a few more verses rapid fire before we wind down here. This is 2 Corinthians 6.1. As God's fellow workers, this is Paul telling, again, Christians in Corinth, the church in Corinth, he says, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Not to receive God's grace in vain, to no effect, to no avail. How are they going to do that? Well, if you read the Corinthians letters, you know that there are a number of issues there that they needed to, to sort out and address. And if they, they didn't, that would betray where their hearts truly were, and they would have received the grace of God in vain. In Hebrews chapter 4 that we read a couple of weeks ago, the writer says, While the promise of entering his rest still stands, be careful that none of you be deemed to have fallen short of it. Again, he's talking to Christians. And in chapter 12 and verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, he's going to keep coming back to this time and time again. And so we have to hear the exhortation, press on to maturity. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have to stop looking for excuses and we have to discipline ourselves and we have to discipline ourselves to read God's word and to be to be prayerful and and to be good Bible students and to seek opportunities to be with our brethren and assemble with them and worship God together and look for opportunities to serve. We have to allow the word of God to transform our lives, not harden ourselves against it, not be unfamiliar with it, unaccustomed to the word of righteousness. Anything short of our best effort is regression. And that leads to apostasy. 
every time. So I don't want it to be ever said of any of us that we have crucified the Lord anew and put him to open shame because we've rejected him where we once obeyed him. You know, the, the, the offering of Jesus on the cross, this is the very gift which drew us to him to in repentance to begin with. And as he himself anticipated when he said in John, I believe it's in John chapter 12, uh, but I'm not positive, but it's in the gospel of John where he said, if I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. John says he said this signifying what sort of death he would die. He knew in, in demonstrating his love on the cross that he would draw all people to himself. And if we take that sacrifice for granted, if we abuse his grace, what sacrifice for sin remains? That's the question that the Hebrew writer wants us to consider. What, what is left to bring us to repentance? That's why it's impossible, he says. In verse 4. But it doesn't have to be our end. That doesn't have to be the, the, the road that we travel. We can continue to remind ourselves of his great love and sacrifice and his grace. And we can continue to let that inspire gratitude within us and be reminded of the reality, the spiritual realities that are before us, how much God loves us, that he will hold us accountable, that the threat of apostasy is real, and that we have an obligation because of his grace to press on to maturity. And it's okay to see that and think of it as, as, a, as a duty and an obligation. It doesn't necessarily mean you've, you've forgotten the motivating factors. Uh, but we have to discipline ourselves to do that. It's because we're weak and sinful creatures. And if we don't make a calculated, determined decision to follow through with faithfulness and, and to feast on the Word of God that, in, that engenders faith and gratitude within us and love within us, and then we're going to fail. It's not going to, it's not going to, maturity and growth in Christ is just not going to take care of itself. The grace of God teaches us, but we have to be willing to be taught by it. Appreciate you tuning in.